Welcome again to Marin Covenant Church. My name is Ben Kearns. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Hey, Bruce, good to see you. Hey, online community, really glad that you guys are here. Um, you know, it's interesting. I love the Christmas season. I love all the stories. And uh, we're talking about the Magi, which we'll talk about in a second. But I think what's so incredible is that God actually wants to walk with us, that God actually wants to get our attention, that God actually wants to have his way with us, mold us and shape us. You know, it's incredible. It's an incredible thing if we really think about it. But what's crazy is most of the time, well, I don't know about you, but for me, I find myself, I'm not paying attention very well. And there's kind of two different options of people in the world, it seems this way. There's the curious people who are open-hearted, open-handed, like, okay, God, what in the world are you doing in the universe? What are you doing in my life? What are you doing in my heart? And then there's those of us who are more like closed off or more control freaks. We white knuckle things. Whatever's happening in the world, we miss it because we are going in a certain direction. Whatever's happening personally, we're just like, you know, dealing, taking care of all the logistics. Like we're white knuckling it. And I hate that this is the case, but you can tell, and I've mentioned this often, but in our life and in my marriage, there's always good cop, bad cop, good Christian, bad Christian. And again, unfortunately, this morning is no different because Katie is like my spiritual hero. She's somebody who is open-hearted, open-handed. Whenever something happens, her first response is like, okay, God, what in the world do you have? And when that same thing happens to me, I'm like, oh, here we go, right? <laughs> and imagine being married to that, right? But this is, this is the deal. And, um, and we had a really traumatic, dramatic thing happen uh, when we were 30. When we were 30, um, my son Noah, he was six months old, and uh, he was really sick. He was really sick. Now, Katie grew up with a mom uh, who was a nurse, and I grew up with a mom who was on a ranch, basically, right? So when your kid's sick, like, you don't go to the hospital, right? You, like, tough it out. You break a bone. You see how you can still function, right? That's how I grew up. And Katie's like, is is, is this little sniffle? Should I go to the emergency room? What's going on, right? So imagine the joy of the first, like, decade of our marriage. Well, now it's a son, our own kid, our first son. Oh, shoot. You weren't supposed to be here this hour. So what ends up happening... Is, is she, uh, so, so our son gets sick and I'm like, he's fine. He's fine. Kids get sick. That's what happened. Well, all of a sudden he has blood in his stool. And if you know something about anything, that's bad. Me, I don't know anything about anything. So I'm like, he's going to still be fine. And Katie's like, that's it. I'm enough of your shenanigans. We're going to the hospital. So we drive, we go to the hospital and, uh, you know, they do their tests and, you know, our kids, this tiny little kid, they, he was so small. He needed an IV and they put like in his, in his forehead, you know, and you're, it was so traumatic. And, uh, and they give him IV. They give him a second round of IV. I know. And, um, and they send us on our way. And of course, Katie and I, you know, we're not navigating that well. And Katie's like, this is, you know, mostly because of my immaturity. Um, but things go off the rails where a, a day and a half later, we get a phone call from Seattle Children's Hospital. And they're like, your son has E. coli. Get in the car. We need you here right now. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is big time. And Katie immediately, right? She's like, okay, God, what in the world are you doing here? She calls our pastor. She calls the prayer team. She calls her family. She like rounds the troops. She's like, okay, Lord, I, what in the world are you going to do? What is, what is going to happen? God, you need to show up. You need to help. You need to heal him. You like, she was like in it, wrestling with the Lord with this traumatic event. And I remember as clear as day, I'm at the Chevron um, number two, getting ready to gas up to drive to Seattle. And I'm like, if you take my son, God, I'm out. Like, no joke. Like, I'm like, if you do this, if you do not, like, whatever's happening right now, I am out. I will find another job. I am so over this. 
And I remember that whole drive, I'm white knuckling it. The nurses, if you've ever been to Children's Hospital, the Children's Hospital nurses are angels from heaven. Everyone, of course, loved Katie and they're in there with her and we're praying for us and caring for us, giving us the best care. And I'm like, don't talk to me. I don't want to know your name. The whole thing, I was just so mad. I was so mad at God. I was so mad at myself. I was so mad all the way through. And sure enough, a few days later, only by God's grace, right? Noah, um, he lives and, and he lives and he actually doesn't have any permanent damage because the nurse two days earlier gave him a double IV fluid. Um, that was, she's just like, I just think we should just try this thing. And Katie's like, there's God again. And I'm like, perfect, right? And like, that was like that dichotomy, I feel like is like the human dichotomy. There's a thing that shows up. There's a dramatic moment, a dramatic event. And we have the opportunity to go, okay, God, what in the world are you going to do in this dramatic event? Or you get to white knuckle it and fold your arms and go like, whatever. I need to figure this out. I need to take care of it, right? And that is the human experience. That is the challenge. That is what we're going to take a look at this morning because we, if we really want to be the people that God longs for us to be, we don't want to be the bad version of Ben, right? We want to be the good version of Katie. We want to be these people who are curious on this journey towards Christ. Because having a curious posture, that actually is like the fundamental root, if you are going to be a follower of Christ, is a curious posture, right? Are you open-handed? Are you willing to say, okay, God, what in the world are you up to? Well, that's exactly what we're doing. We're looking all Advent at the story of the Magi, right? Last week, we talked about how they're spiritually hungry. They were even just looking. They were curious people. They're like, okay, God, if you're up to something, I want to be about it. And this week, we're going to talk about, well, the Magi actually see the star. Not only do they go, hey, what are you doing, God? They actually begin to take effort, put in effort and energy to move towards Christ. And we're going to see that these curious outsiders actually become one of the first worshipers of Jesus. It's incredible. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew uh, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And we, we read this last week too, and as you know, um, there's not a lot to say about the Magi, so we'll probably be in this passage for the next three weeks. So you'll be experts at it. So here we are, Matthew chapter 2. It says this, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Just imagine the scene. You have Herod. Herod is the king of the Jews, right? He, Herod actually, in their world, is a good guy. He's like the, the head Jewish guy. He actually put in money and effort to restore the temple. Like Herod like, is make, maintaining peace and order and allows for Jewish rhythm and Jewish ritual. And out from the east... You know, these pagans, bacon eaters, you know, show up and are like, we have come to worship the king of the Jews. And immediately you see the difference, right? You see Herod who's like, no, I don't think so. I'm the king of the Jews. You can just see him white knuckling. And as we talk about the next couple of weeks, you're like, oh my goodness, Herod's like, my will, I'm going to own this thing. And then you have these magi who are like, we're in Jerusalem. Right, we saw the star, and here we are, right? We saw the star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. And we want to be magi, not like Herod, right? Well, before we jump in to talk about where we're going, we need to understand who are the magi? Who are these, uh, these star observers, the, these early astrologers? And that's exactly what they were. They were astrologers. And in fact, as long as there's been humans, 
there's been astrology, right? Humans have always looked at the stars and were like, what in the world is happening up there? And most ancient people basically looked at the stars and think, gosh, there's like some sort of like water, oceany thing where, the, where, where all the Zodiac live, right? And every culture in the whole world has some version of the Zodiac, right? If you don't have a t- um, TikTok, right? You actually have space to look and observe things. And you go, oh, there are these constellations and they move and they rotate uh, throughout the seasons. Well, the, the, the Magi were these Zoroastrian um, astrologers, right? And the way it works in the Zodiac is in the spring solstice, the sun rises up into one of the constellations, into one of the houses, and that's like the dominant house. And this, is the, the, this era was the house of Aries, okay? And so Aries was like the anchor, uh, the anchor Zodiac for all the other things. And while this ocean's happening, right, you have these seven other constellations that moved within the Zodiac that you tried to infer what's happening, right? So you have the sun and the moon, uh, Venus, Mars, uh, Jupiter, um, Saturn, right? You could see those with the naked eye. And as they would move around, you try to infer what is happening. Okay, so that's the world in which they lived in. Well, in 167 BC, there's this Greek uh, astrologer, and he's in Alexandria, and he's rummaging through um, all the pages, right? Imagine a library if you're really old, or Google. But back then, they had like these scrolls, and he's trying to look at all the astrolog- astrological movements, right, that were happening. And he goes, oh my goodness, 2,000 years ago, Taurus was the number one zodiac sign that the sun in the spring solstice rose in the house of Taurus, but now it's in the house of Aries. What is happening? And from that one question, this whole new religion shows up. Zoroastrianism in the east, Mithra in the west. And basically what it is is saying, hey, there's this God, there's like a super God. There's the gods that we see with the stars and we see the zodiac, but there's this super god who actually will kill one of the zodiacs and establish a new ruler. And now here's where it's crazy. Right around the time of Jesus, right? In like 20 BCE to like 10 AD in that realm, it it goes from the era of Aries into the era of Pisces. In the time of Jesus' birth, there's a transition in the house of the Zodiacs. And so all of a sudden, everyone who's in this religion is like, oh my goodness, God is up to something. God is doing something because there is the God of bigger than the Zodiac has killed Aries and is establishing Pisces. What is up with this? And now you're looking at all the stars moving around. And it just so happened in uh, June 17th, 2 BC, this may or may not be it, but I thought it was kind of wild, that Jupiter and Venus are come together in the stars. And if you're an astro- astronomer, right, you, you can see these things happening, you can begin to see it. And I can imagine these magi are like, there is something happening. The big God, the God over the Zodiac has crushed Aries, is establishing Pisces. And now we're seeing Jupiter and Venus come together. Mom planet or mom star and dad star coming together. Well, what happens when mom star and dad star come together, but a son is born who's going to establish the new king. Is that wild? Now there's no way they understood all the orthodoxy around Jesus or whatever, but they're like, they knew something was going on. And sure enough, because they were looking, because their hearts were open, they actually take the step and they're like, we are going to find out who this son is and we are going to worship him. And so they send off on their way. And that's where we find ourselves in the story. Are we going to be magi or are we going to be Herod? Are we going to be curious and open-handed people or are we going to white knuckle it? And what I love about this story is because God always does this. Like, we want to be good Christian people. 
And because we're good Christian people, we have religious practices. We try to clean up our lives. We try not to cuss too much, right? We try to do all these things that are right. We establish a religion and we're like, we just want to do things right because we love God. And in our heart for God, we somehow establish this system that ends up being kind of firm. And for some reason throughout all of the scriptural history, it is always the outsiders. It's always these people outside of the system who come into the system and are like, you're missing it. You're not paying attention. And here we are, the Magi are doing the exact same thing. Herod has established the temple for crying out loud, right? Jewish ritual and worship is at an all-time high. And out of nowhere, these Magi, right, these pagan star worshiper uh, pork eaters from the East roll in and are like, oh my goodness, there is going to be a king. Haven't you read your own scriptures? I mean, blows their minds. And I just think a good challenge for us is we who want to be good Christian people who want a good safe system, which I think there's a lot of nobility around that. But gosh, if we're not careful, we're going to miss what God's doing. We're going to miss what God is up to because we are so narrowly focused on trying to honor God and try to do these things. But sure enough, if we put our head up a little bit, God is actually alive and active. And for some reason, God has always used the outsider to get our attention. So we just If we're going to be curious, we've got to be curious to the things that God's doing out in the universe, things that God's doing in our own personal lives, things that God's doing with us, even more so with the outsider who's trying to get our attention. We don't want to miss it. What I love is that God is always, always, always wanting to get our attention. This is what's so crazy about scripture. All the way back in Exodus, uh, there's there's the story of Moses, okay? So Moses, right, he was... uh, in um, Egypt, and the people were slavery. Remember, at some point, he goes to Pharaoh, and he tells Pharaoh, what does he tell Pharaoh? Thank you, Anka. Just making sure we're, we're all tracking, right? Let my people go. But before that all happens, he's actually in the desert, and he gets these marching orders from God. Remember, he goes in the desert, and he hears from God, but he hears from God in a really unique way. Do you remember how he hears from God? Through See, Anka, front row. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Well, here's what's wild. Let me just read this passage. of It's Exodus chapter 3, verse, um, verse 2. No, verse 3. It says this. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush and said, Moses, Moses. When God saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush and said, Moses, Moses. This is what is so wild. There's this, uh, there's, there's this rabbinic teaching that uh, it's, of course, it's a minority report because these ones are always kind of more interesting. But it, there, these, these rabbis go, what if that bush had always been burning? That bush had always been burning. Because it says, when Moses finally looked, that's when God actually spoke. And these, these Jewish rabbis, are, like, they get to think and ponder, like, how many years did Moses just do duty? Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Watch the sheep. Watch the sheep. And right over here, there's this burning bush. God's like, hello, I'm trying to get your attention. Hello, I'm trying to get your attention. And finally, one day Moses looks. When Moses looks and sees, God speaks and sends him in on his marching orders, right? Gave me pause a lot this week. Like, oh my goodness, because I love duty. I'm all about it. You tell, I will go to the ends of the earth to do the right thing. But my head is like this. And it's a discipline to look up and go, okay, God, what are you up to? Are we going to be curious people? Or are we controlling people? Well, there's a really helpful way as Christians to become more curious. And, uh, and what's fun in the last, like, gosh, this era of Christendom, anyway, there's this movement of spiritual formation. So it's not just doing the disciplines, doing the hard work, duty, 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 which is important. But there's also this additive, which is about spiritual formation, which means as Christian people, we want to be formed by Christ, which means we want to pay attention to what God is doing. 
what God's doing out in the world and universe, what God's doing in our lives, what God's doing inside of us. So, and we want to pay attention to those things and say, God, what are you up to? And, uh, and once a month I get to go and I meet with a spiritual director. And this is like a, a, a human being who like has extra special um, uh, superstar abilities, but they, they actually have worked hard to, li- to learn how to be good listeners, to learn how to discern. Michael Hill's one of those guys. How great is that? And, um, but once a month I meet with this person and I get to just share what I think God is doing in my life. And sometimes like, I don't even know what God's doing in my life. And I just start barfing up stuff, but because he's listening and he's listening in behalf of God, he's, he's able to draw out and it's like, whoa, you're really worried about this. You said this thing five different times. Well, what do you think the Lord has for you in that? Well, why do you think God is doing that? Why do you think God has allowed that? Why do you think you've reacted that way? It's like every single, and finally I'm like, just, can you just tell me I'm doing okay or something, right? Because everything that he's doing is like, whoa, what is God doing there? What is God? What's, where's God? Where, where? Like every, every single thing, right? You're like, why is Ben preaching like this? God, what is going on right now, right? Every single situation, you have the opportunity to think, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? And so we as Christians, as followers of Christ, we want to move towards and be people who are open-handed and always asking the question, God, what are you doing? What are you doing out in the universe, in the world? What are you doing in my own life and the people around me? What are you doing internally? And we want to be like the Magi. We want to be open-handed and curious. We don't want to be like Herod and we want to control. And so you think about this, like, think of like the good things that happen in your life. Like Herod, right, is like, I'm awesome. If something good happens in Herod's life, he's like, I'm awesome. I deserve it. In the Magi's life, like, whoa, God, thanks for blessing me. Thanks for caring for me. I remember I got uh, invited to do a denominational thing. And my first thought for a very long time, I wish is my second and third and hundred thought, right? It was like, finally, hello, look how awesome I am. Finally, I'm in the game, right? Like this is because I'm Herod. And it takes a long time to go, oh my goodness, God, Thank you for giving me this opportunity to care and to learn. And I'm around people that are just blowing my mind. And God in- invited me into a situation of learning. And it was incredible, right? But that's what we, we Herod or, or we Magi. I think of like, um, um, if, I, if I'm going to go surfing or whatever. Uh, not quite there yet, Alex, sorry. Um, right? I love being out there with my friends. It's beautiful and it's incredible. And I'm like, oh, I just love how beautiful it is. I love being out here. This is great. The end. Or, oh my goodness, God, what a blessing. I cannot believe that you've blessed me with your creation. And I get to enjoy this way and I get to be with my friends, right? So that's one way. Think of the bad. Now, most of us have the bad, right? When something bad happens, we, why? We fold our, that's easy. But this is a challenge, right? To think like my son's applying for college and he's not nervous at all, but I'm super nervous. Um, But I remember not getting into college, right? You put your whole life on a piece of paper to have some committee be like, nope okay, God, what do I do with that? What am I supposed to do with that? Well, there's something for me in that, right? When COVID happened and like we're losing our jobs and we lost some of our loved ones and there's all this chaos and trauma, like what is happening? That's something that's happening to us out there. And we can go, I hate this and I can white knuckle it. And I'm just going to do my thing. Or we go, okay, God, what do you have? What do you have for me in this? What do you have for me? And what do you have for our community in this? There's this posture of open-handedness. I think of like, and you know, I mean, being a part of a church, right, we experience all sorts of loss and challenge, right? Breakups and divorce, cancer and death. Do we just fold our hands, walk away from God and be like, didn't work out for me, I'm out. Well, the magi, the faithful sages are the ones who said, okay, God, what in the world do you have for me? Here's what's totally wild. Um, The day after Ray passed away, I went and visited Joyce 
and Joyce was still in shock. So, I mean, there's a whole grief curve, so for sure. But she said, hey, it's so weird that on Tuesday morning in our Advent reading plan, the scripture was, do not be afraid. And I felt like the Lord carried me. I'm like, whoa, you are a magi. Because that was not my first thought. I was still jumbled up about the whole thing, right? Her first thought is, oh my goodness, God, you carried me. And that's why I love being a part of an intergenerational church because us young punks are like, oh, that's how you do grief. That's how you do hard things. That's how you do challenge, right? We're, God, what are you doing? Look how you showed up. Or sometimes we just recognize that there's just these confusing things that happen to us as well, um, right? We, get, we just get anxious for no reason or we get all jumbled up or spun up about certain things and we just gotta go like, God, what is happening inside of me right now? And the truth is whatever's happening inside of you, God actually has something to say about it. I was on the phone uh, with Michael uh, this last week, and I'm, and I'm walking through, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I'm, I'm just in the garage talking with Michael, thinking I'm having a normal conversation. I walk through our kitchen, and Kay looks at me like, why are you talking to him like that? And, uh, and I'm like, oh, you know, because I'm talking to Michael, doing my whole thing. So I hang up the phone with Michael, and Katie goes, oh my gosh, Ben, what is wrong with you? Seriously, why would you talk to Michael that way? And because I'm preaching this Sunday, I actually was like, oh, crap, I better think about this here. And so sure enough, I'm, I, I went for a little walk and I was like, what in the world is going on in me? Why in the world would I talk to Michael that way? And I thought about it and I prayed about it. And sure enough, God's like, well, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, what? well, not one of those things had to even do with Michael. So I call up Michael. And I'm like, Michael, I am so sorry. That had nothing to do with you. I apologize. Will you please forgive me? I'm so sorry. And he's like, sure, totally. The worst part, he's like, well, that's how you always talk to me. So I know. So we're going to work that out. Don't, don't you worry about that. But that's the thing, right? Like in every situation out in the universe, good, bad, confusing, in every one of those things, we get to be open-handed and say, God, what do you have for me in that? Or we get to be closed-fisted and say, no way, my thing, my deal. Well, we want to be Magi people. I mean, of course we want to be Magi people. I want to be a Magi person. And so what happens is when we begin to be Magi people and we're willing to walk, right? When Magi are willing to walk towards Jerusalem, when we're willing to walk towards Christ, we actually see that we now have so much hope. There's so much healing. There's so much transformation. There's restoration. We have all of these things when our posture is the Magi. When we move towards Christ, that's when we experience grace and mercy, forgiveness, transformation, all those things moving towards Christ. And that's all what we want to do is move towards Christ. Like I mentioned, Katie is much better at this than me, but I'm, I'm trying hard to be, I'm a, like, I'm a duty guy. I'm going to work it out and I'm not going to be satisfied with being a pumpkin. And, uh, but it took like almost a year, almost a year after Noah was all healed and Katie's telling the story to everybody and praising God. And it took me almost a whole year to go, oh my goodness, God, what happened at Chevron? And I talked to one friend of mine, they're like, oh, Chevron, any one of us would have done that. That's a total normal response. And here's a good little tip if you're a friend. If someone's wrestling out something with God to just to blow them off or to, or to justify their poor thinking, now that is a true, like there is some wisdom, like anyone in their grief would say something weird like that. But God was doing something in me and it had nothing to do with me. Um, you know, it had everything to do with me being a punk. And here's what I learned. It took me a whole year to get here. This is, I can't believe I'm gonna say this out loud. Katie, you're like, finally. Okay, so here's the truth. Oh my goodness. I am so prideful and arrogant. And when I moved to Washington, this church was so lucky to have me. 
I mean, no joke. I was 30. I was the top of my game. I've had done successful youth ministry forever and ever. I was getting to be recognized in different places. And this church had nothing. They were starting from scratch. And I'm like, I am going to show these yokels what is up. I was God's man, and they were lucky to have me. And I realized, oh my goodness, when this thing happened with my son, if I was truly a godly man, because I've done intergenerational ministry my entire life, because I know in my head and in the guts of my being, there's plenty of people whose little kids didn't make it. There's plenty of partners and spouses who, who died unexpectedly, whose tragedies happened. Being a part of intergenerational ministry means that we get to be around the sages who've gone before. And it's like, oh my goodness, my son didn't make it. But let me tell you about my journey in the place that God showed up over 10 years, right? Turned out all this pride at 30 was not, God was like, you are not ready. You do not have what it takes. You do not know the things that you need to know if you're going to be the pastor that I want you to be. And for 17 years, God has not let me out from under that rock, unfortunately. But I'm here for it. And that's the posture, right? Whatever you have for me, God. And we never want to just let go and just be like, that was just a weird thing. God, whatever you have. Because if we wrestle those things down, gosh, that's for hope and healing and transformation. Like I'm, God is actually healing me. God's actually making me into a new person. I've met someone who's new to our church like in the last year. And I was telling some like version of myself. and like, I don't know that version of you. I'm like, you don't? <gasps> Turns out like God's changing me. Um, and so that is the good news. So we want to be the magi. We're always good, bad, ugly. God, what do you have in it? And the truth is that we need each other to remind ourselves. We need the sages who have gone before. We need the young punks who are all idealistic and wrestling it out. We need each other so that we can move towards Christ together. And so this is what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to invite you to do a little bit of a, a spiritual uh, formation exercise. You have a, a little circle and a pen right in front of you. And I'd love for you to think about this. What's the question? Where has God gotten your attention and moved you towards Christ? In your whole life. In your whole life, where has God done something out in the universe, out in the world, among people you know and love, maybe just in your guts? Where has God showed up for you and actually moved you towards Jesus? Right? I have this marker of Noah being six months. That's super traumatic and dramatic. I have a phone call with Michael this week, right? It is like, it is not magical. It's not like, like our goal is to be people that go, oh my goodness, week in, week out, day in, day out, God is trying to get your attention. God is always trying to get your attention. God is always trying to move you towards Christ. So in your whole life, can you think of two, one time that God did something to get your attention and move you towards Christ? I'm gonna give you one whole minute think about what that is and write it on this, on this little circle here, right? So I would write phone call with Michael or something, right? Okay. What are you going to write? When the Magi came, they said, we saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. And that is the Christian journey that, that we would be curious people, that we would be paying attention to the star that's rising, to the situation that's happening in our life, to the thing that's happening inside of us, we would pay attention to those things and actually recognize the invitation that Christ has and walk towards him. And in that process of healing and transformation, what ends up happening is we become worshipers and we get to practice now what we're gonna do for all of eternity. And so what I invite you to do um, 
in a minute, um, I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna spend a little bit of time in worship. But in that la- this last song, I'd love for you to take this sticker that you um, have wrote and written your thing on, come over here and stick it on the star somewhere. And of course yours is gonna go somewhere over other people's, but that's okay. This is first gatherings. And you get to come up here as an act of worship and say, oh my goodness, God, here is a time that you showed up for me and moved me towards Jesus, which allowed me to be more whole and ultimately a worshiper of him. And if you're this morning, like I could not come up with one of those things. I'm like Ben at Chevron. I am like, no, thank you. Then I would just encourage you to take one of these stickers, stick it upon your mirror. And when you see it, just say, okay, God, give me eyes to see. Because here's what's crazy. If we just say, God, give me eyes to see, God is so faithful all the time to show up when we're seeking him. So don't feel like you have to write something. Just put that on a, on a sticker and think about that as well. All right, let me pray for us. And then we'll continue and, and wrap up our morning. Gracious God, you are so good to me. You're so good to us. I'm so thankful that you don't let us remain white-knuckled, closed-fisted, hard-hearted. And then through a gentle invitation of opening our eyes, seeing where you're at work around us, where you're at work in, in our relationships, where you're at work in our heart. So if we can pay attention to those things and begin to take steps towards you, that is where we find healing and forgiveness, transformation, empowerment. We get to be activated, to be partners with you in the work of your kingdom. And ultimately, we get to be worshipers of you. We get to join with the angels, both now and for all of eternity. So God, I pray that you continue to have your way more and more with me, more and more of your way in our whole congregation with Christians everywhere, that we would be wholehearted people with eyes open to your work. May we be curious this week, and may we do your will both now and forevermore. And all of God's kids said, amen and amen. Let's stand as we continue to worship. And any time during the song, please come forward and add your sticker to our star.